final thoughts on an election preview. Will it be respect God or reject God? That is a topic we'll discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news that all people can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. Well, thank you for joining us for this final broadcast uh, before the election. In fact, this is our final program before Election Day on Tuesday, November 3rd, when the American people will choose which governing worldview they believe best for the, the near future, at least, of our nation. Will there be a deeper dive into socialism, the worldview that replaces God and his word with tried and, not tried and true, tried and failed, big government, political, social, and immoral, yes, immoral policies based on sinful human reasoning, which is advocated largely by the Democrat Party today? Or, on the other hand, will it be what I would describe as American exceptionalism or American nationalism, traditionalism, the worldview of limited government, separation of powers, individual liberties enshrined in our Constitution, free market economics, and more biblical morality based mainly or largely on a Christian worldview advocated by the Republican Party. Now, never in my lifetime, at least, has the division between our two main political parties been so great. And yet the decision for the Christian voter has never really been more straightforward. The Democrats are a party that basically rejects God, while the Republican Party generally, at least, respects God. So join us this weekend as we uh, discuss some final things to consider leading into the election. In the first segment here, I'd like to talk about keeping the right perspective. You know, you've heard people say most people that this this election is the most important election of our lifetimes. And I think that actually is true. We say that seemingly every election. And the reason we're saying that every election, at least the last, let's say, four or five elections, is because the mainstream of the Democratic Party is more left now than any point in our lifetime, even more than when President Barack Obama took office in 2008. In other words, the political parties are so far apart now. There's such a huge gulf between them, which whatever party is chosen to take power is going to take the country down two such greatly divergent paths, it's, you know, almost going opposite directions. And for all the people who think, oh, we need, to, we need a leader who can bring unity, there is no chance for unity in America today because the viewpoints of the parties are so diametrically opposed. So I really believe there, there is an existential threat to the traditional American way of life uh, if the Democrats gain a lot of power in this particular election and gain more power going forward. Uh, there's even, I think, danger of, of foreign uh, intervention and foreign control of our country, whether it's a takeover, that's pretty extreme with our great military. But, you know, militaries are just controlled by people. And when bad people, unwise, ungodly people make bad decisions because they're humanistic and sinful, uh, everything is on the table. Remember, no nations forever. Kingdoms and empires rise and fall. 
And I believe we're at a very critical turning point, potentially, in this country. And if it's not now, it could happen another four years, another eight years. The left hates this country. You have to. You, it's hard to get your mind around this is a great nation, but the left hates it as it's currently operating and believes it would be better, as you're seeing on the streets, to, to burn it down and remake it in their own image. This is why they tear down statues of historic American figures. This is figures. This is why they slander Christopher Columbus and the founders and the Constitution. A sitting senator, Senator Ed Mark Markey, I'm not sure where he's from, but he said this this week about the 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 originalism, the idea of interpreting the Constitution as it was originally written. He said in a tweet, originalism is racist. Originalism is sexist. Originalism is homophobic. Originalism is just a fancy word for discrimination. That's a sitting senator in the United States Senate saying basically if you interpret the Constitution according to the original intent of the Constitution, that's racist, sexist, homophobic, and discriminatory. That's why they want to tear down the country. So you have to understand how much they hate This country because of the Christian values it's founded upon and how intent they are on remaking it according to their own humanistic, socialistic ideology. So there was a response to that tweet uh, from someone who agreed. And the response was, originalism doesn't exist. The law is meant to be interpreted. And there was the Constitution. If you interpret it the way they would have 100 years ago, then you'll get the same anti-woman, anti-black anti-LGBTQ values that they had 100 years ago. So I I, I read that just to give you an idea of how the left thinks. I think a lot of times Christians and conservatives can kind of think, you know, we're all pretty close. If we can kind of just, you know, just kind of find some common ground or what's for the common good. No, no, no. They are so diametrically opposed to the traditional American worldview You can't even understand it. You can't even hardly understand the way they think and how much they hate the way the country is currently operating, how much they can't wait to be able to change all those things. What they're really saying is we need to remake the Constitution. And when someone says that, then everything's at stake because the Constitution is the guiding document for how our nation Operates. It gives us the limited government, separation of powers, individual rights, all those things that have made America the greatest, most freest country, prosperous, charitable country in the history of the world. That's because of the Constitution, the framework of our law. And what they're saying is remake it. You can't interpret it the way it originally was. We need to redo it. Now, that being said, is a little prelude. I want to spend the rest of this segment saying, in spite of this existential threat, this great division, The true believer has really nothing to fear, no matter what happens in this election. And Isaiah wrote in his book in the Old Testament, uh, you know, Israel was, there were times of Israel history, they would would seek the Lord and there would be blessing. But there were many times when they would go their own way and worship false gods and there would be, God would allow foreign ungodly nations to take them over and oppress them and they'd have famine and pe- all, all kinds of negative things would happen. Uh, God was using these things to try to draw them back to, to repentance and to follow him. And, and the passage in Isaiah 40, I think, is a, 
a good one for Christians to keep in our minds as we go into this election on on Tuesday so we keep things in perspective of God's perspective. So I just want to read a few paragraphs out of that chapter of Isaiah 40, starting in verse 6. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? And then the prophet says, all flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. The people are indeed grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. In other words, this U.S. election, whoever's elected president, is not going to change the word of God. No matter what the left tries to do, it's not going to change God or his word or his plans. Verse 10, Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his compensation is with him and his reward before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in the fold of his robe. He will gently lead the the nursing ewes. In other words, whatever happens in the election, everyone, both Democrat, Republican, anywhere in between, everyone is still accountable to God's just judgment. Uh, Our political affiliation doesn't matter before God from a standpoint of we're not judged on our political affiliation. We are judged based on our works, what we have done with God's offer. Have Have we accepted, received by faith God's offer to forgive our sins, or are we going to try to go some other way, our own way, try to develop some form of works righteousness uh, to be right with God. God rejects that, but he accepts the one who, in repentance and faith, accepts his offer, uh, his terms of reconciliation. Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and measured the heavens with a span and calculated the dust of the earth with a measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did God consult, and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding? And they're all rhetorical questions. Is no one. No one has taught God anything. God is not wringing his hands in heaven right now, saying, Oh, I hope they they elect Donald Trump or someone. No, he's not doing that. He's not powerless. He's actually going to ordain exactly what will happen in this coming election. He will cause it. He's either going to give America over to the, the sinful desires, the, 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 the worse fallen desires of this country for his purposes, or he's not. He's going to ordain it. He's not wringing his hands. Verse 15, Behold, the nations of the world are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, God lifts up the islands like fine dust, like you lift up sand in your hand. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Doesn't that put America in perspective? We have the greatest nation, the most powerful, prosperous nation in the history of the world. And it's like a speck of dust on the scales. It's a drop in the bucket to God. Do you not know, goes on in verse 21, have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? 
It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants, us, we're like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens, God does, like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to live in. It is he, God, who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But he merely, God merely blows on them, and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, God says, that I should be his equal, says the Holy One. Raise your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who brings out their multitude by number. He calls them all by name because of his greatness, the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. This should remind us who is in control. Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not become weary or tired. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary and to the one who lacks might. He increases power, though young men grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. If you are listening today and you are a true follower of Christ, God will be your strength, whatever comes our way after this election in the United States of America. We have a lot more to come to today in the Christian worldview. Hope you'll stay tuned. Who is George Soros and what does he believe? Are you religious? No. Do you believe in God? No. Soros told the independent newspaper in Great Britain, it is a sort of disease when you consider yourself some kind of God, the creator of everything. But I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. Soros spends his billions to transform America into godless socialism. Be informed about him and the organizations he funds by ordering this George Soros resource bundle, which includes a 60-minute DVD, 60-page book, and 16-page follow-the-money chart and guide for a donation of $50 or more to the Christian Worldview. To order, call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331 or visit thechristianworldview.org. That's thechristianworldview.org. The Bible says that children should be raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's nothing more important than sitting, walking, talking, and teaching your son or daughter to love and fear God. The church is swimming in children's resources, but it's ultra important to select ones that accurately represent God, His Word, and the Gospel. At our store on thechristianworldview.org, We are intentional about offering resources that will build a sound and strong faith in children. You will find several Bibles for children, the Adam Raccoon book series, and Good News for Little Hearts series. We also have video and audio resources like Theo and Sugar Creek Gang. Browse them all at thechristianworldview.org and then use them daily with the child God has put in your life. That's thechristianworldview.org.
Thanks for joining us today on the Christian Realview radio program. I'm David Wheaton, the host. Our website is thechristianrealview.org. We're going over some final thoughts before the election coming up on Tuesday. Will it be respect God or reject God? And as we went over in the first segment, we talked about if if you're a Christian, if you're a true follower of Christ... God just guarantees no matter what kind of trials and tribulations come our way in life, doesn't mean you won't have them. You absolutely will have them. And think about the Apostle Paul, what he went through in life. But God was his strength. You'll have comfort and perspective and hope in the midst of, it, in the midst of our fallen world. And so we read that passage from Isaiah 40 because God is in control of the affairs of our world. He's in control of this election. He, he is causing his prophetic plan for the world to unfold right before our eyes. There is nothing anyone can do to stop it or slow it down. He is going to put the party in power he wants for his purposes. It may be for our discipline. It may be for America's destruction. It's hard to say that. It may be for our repentance or or maybe for our blessing. But it's always going to be ultimately for his glory. But let's be clear. Revelation is very clear that the world is going to get to, at some point in history, I don't know whether it's going to be sooner or later, but it's going to be it's going to get to a terrible um, this antichrist led globalized unified world ruled dystopian uh, planet world America isn't mentioned that I, I see anywhere in the Bible I don't know what that means as far as what the future of this country is uh, prophetically but it's not mentioned at least clearly in scripture maybe part of that one world final confederation I, I don't know so it's not a matter of if, though, the world is going to get to that point, but when. God is bringing it to that point, because then he's going to send his son back, and he's going to judge the world. And that doesn't mean that we should sit idle and welcome it and just be uh, you know, passive to this and do nothing in the meantime. But it is coming, and the signs are really everywhere. But whatever happens, Christians, we still have the same mandate. The Great Commission is still the Great Commission, that we are to— to go and make disciples of the nations, to evangelize, to disciple, to to live for righteousness and stand for righteousness in our own lives and in our in, in, in the country. We're to oppose evil. We're to be ambassadors or represent Christ on earth. That doesn't matter no matter what the who the political situation is. We're we're citizens of heaven, but we're still citizens of America. And we're thankful to God for what this country has been and is. But that could change. Again, nations aren't forever. We may be very sad about the country. We may be very sad about our people, that they believe so many lies that are contrary to the truth of God. But remember, we still have the good news for us and for them. That's what God's given us. That's a great hope. Now, as we talked about early in the program today, that this election is really about, you could divide it into two different camps. Either it's going to be about American exceptionalism, traditionalism, let's say, or American nationalism, or it's going to be a Marxist socialism. And that's not meant to, you know, try to be exaggerate. That's really what the Democrat Party believes today is in Marxist socialism. The former American exceptionalism is mainly based on respecting God. There's a respect for God there. While Marxist socialism is based on rejecting God. It's it's man's best attempt to order government and society in his own fallen worldview socialism is is a big is big government control over every 
aspect of life. And we already have some socialism in our country. Let's be honest. Our educational system is socialist. The fact that you pay taxes, coerce taxes out of you, and that money can only go into a federally controlled public educational system, that, that's a socialist um, a worldview plan is, is the educational system in America. Yes, you can, if you want, you can pay to homeschool or send your child to a public or a private school. But basically, we have a socialistic, government-run, federally controlled educational system. The welfare state is another another good example of how we have tenets of socialism in our, our, our country now. Well, there could be a very minimal safety net, but we have a very, very gigantic uh, safety net in this country, a welfare state, a redistribution of, of those who produce to those who don't produce. That's an element of socialism. We have a, a very entrenched, secular, atheistic separation of church and state mentality uh, in government that has led to unbiblical morality. It leads to the redefinition of marriage. It leads to taxpayer-funded abortion. It will lead even more to euthanasia. It has led and will lead to more Christian marginalization and persecution. These are all elements of socialism. And then all the things being proposed by the Democratic Party, government-run, funded health care, a government-guaranteed income, the Green New Deal, and radical environmentalism, a, a globalism, a, a focus on globalism, uh, which really, to do that, then you have no borders. You, you just allow open immigration. So we do have already, and I've heard some people say this, we do have elements of socialism. Yes, we do. There are. But the point is, they want more. They want us to go fully into socialism and maybe eventually into communism. Now, I read an article this week by Audrey Conklin. She wrote an article for, for Fox News, and she said, uh, it, was just a, it was just a reporting article about the Victims of Communism Memorial Fund Foundation, which, which does a annual poll assessing Americans' attitudes towards socialism. Uh, the victor, it's called the VOC, the Victims of Communism. Executive Director Marion Smith attributes this trend, trend uh, as well as in other national polls, to a failure of Americans, American educational institutions definitional misunderstandings and a double standard in media and on social media. She says, we are seeing the high watermark politically of socialism and Marxism in the U.S. Never before in history has the U.S. seen positive opinions of these ideologies to the extent that we're seeing today. That's just a fact, she says. That's quite a statement. Never before have we seen such positive viewpoints on socialism and Marxism. It goes on to say support support for progressive, self-identified Democratic socialist politicians, including former 2020 presidential candidate Bernie Sanders and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, has increased among young voters. The National Black Lives Matter group, part of a political and social movement against racism and police violence, ostensibly, that many American citizens and corporations have endorsed, was co-founded by Patrice Cullors. And Alicia Garzas, who have called themselves trade Marxists. And Opal Tometi, who observed Venezuela's 2015 election at the invitation of that socialist government. Tometi, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, was swarmed by government critics during the election on Twitter after posting what the, what the relief, posting about the relief she felt being, quote, in a place where there is intelligent political discourse, unquote. 
It's what one of the founders of Black Lives Matter said about the totally failed, uh, just corrupt, socialist, um, oppressed country now of, of, of Venezuela. Next paragraph. There has also been a decrease in the number of young Americans who believe Engels, Frederick Engels and Karl Marx, their communist manifesto, secures, now listen to this, they believe it secures liberty better than the Declaration of Independence. Quote, you combine the lack of moral reckoning about the legacy of communism with a failure of education to teach basic 20th century history about socialism, and you add on a normalization of the term socialism, of Marxist rhetoric, and that leads to a dangerous normalization of socialism as a path forward. This is the victim, Victims of Communism uh, Organization Foundation writing this particular piece. So the reason, again, the reason the country is so divided right now is because of the Democratic Party has moved so far to the left. Now, they're going to tell you that it's Trump's fault. It's his rhetoric. It's everything else. They blame Trump for everything. But Trump's policies are, are actually very mainstream conservative. They're not anything that's unusual in American history for conservatives. I mean, do you think the left would like Trump if he did the exact same policies but had the personality of Mike Pence? No, they would hate him, maybe not quite as much, because Trump has a way of sticking it in their eye as he's doing these conservative policies. I think it makes it a little more divided. But no, they would hate Mike Pence just as much if he was doing the same policies because it's a worldview divide. Democrats, to say how far they've gone left, they're pushing policies on America that are completely unheard of in our history, whereas Trump is sort of a mainstream conservative, not a mainstream public, as he's more conservative than that, I think to many people's surprise, but he has the same conservative uh, ideology that's been you know throughout most of American history, whereas the Democrat Party has gone so far to the left that's unheard of in our history. I mean, think about this. They redefined the inst- God's institution of marriage during the Obama term. It's never done in human history. They, they moved us down the road, which then moved us down the road toward full integration and advocacy of homosexuality and now transgenderism, never done in human history. And more recently, we now see that critical race theory is now mainstream in this country, that America is founded uh, by racists. It's systemically racist. We need to defund the police. We need to expand the number of people on the Supreme Court so we can have a liberal majority. We need to give statehood for the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. We need to ab- abolish the Electoral College. We need to abolish the fossil fuel industry, as Biden said in the last debate. We need to have a universal ba- ba- basic in, uh, income. I mean, this is radical leftism, socialism, godless, okay? It's not that the Republican Party has gone way to the right and the Democrats have gone way to the left. It's that the Democrat Party has gone just way to the left. And the gulf is so extreme now that there can be no unity. That's why there's so much at stake. This is far more, by the way, this election is far more than President Trump versus Vice President Biden. This is the most important contest because that holds the most power. But it's because the political platforms, the political ideologies are so far apart now. And that's what makes the ramifications of this election so important. We'll come back and talk more in this election preview on the Christian Realview after this. 
David Wheaton here, host of The Christian Worldview. For over 15 years, our mission has been to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We pursue that mission on air through radio programs, in person hosting events, and online through audio, video, and print resources. We are an all-volunteer ministry, but have monthly operating expenses, the most significant being the cost of airtime on the station, website, or app on which you hear the radio program. We are looking for monthly partners so that each station or website is supported by its own listeners. The level of financial support for a given outlet is a key decision point whether we continue paying to broadcast there. To become a monthly partner of any amount, Call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for listening to and supporting The Christian Worldview. There's an abundance of Christian resources available, but the reality is that many of them, even some of the most popular, do not lead to a sound and strong faith. While there's only one perfect book, A key aim of the Christian worldview is to identify and offer resources that are biblically faithful and deepen your walk with God. In our online store, we have a wide range of resources for all ages, adult and children's books and DVDs, Bibles and devotionals, unique gifts, and more. So browse our store at thechristianworldview.org and find enriching resources for yourself, family, friends, small group, or church. You can also order by calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233. Or visit thechristianworldview.org. Will it be respect God or reject God. That is really what's on the ballot coming up here in our national election coming up. Many people have already voted, but that's really the question. Uh, One party generally respects God. The Republican Party still does that, while the Democrat Party completely, almost completely rejects God, I believe. Uh, You just look at their party platforms. We did programs on this leading up to the election and just look through it, what what policies they support. And so we're discussing this today and we just went over in the last segment uh, why there's such a great division because the party platforms are so far apart. The policies they want to enact are so far apart. Trump is traditionally conservative. That's pretty mainstream conservative over the many, many decades of this country. He's doing basically the same things, you know, limited government and economic uh, prosperity and reducing taxes and you know things like this. While the, the, the Democrat Party has moved so far to the left. And so there's no there's no chance for unity or common ground when you have completely different uh, objectives. And, and the fact that Vice President Biden, former Price, Vice President Biden, uh, uh, chose Kamala Harris, who is the most liberal member of the Senate. She's in the U.S. Senate, junior senator from California, uh, just shows you that she's she's even considered to be more liberal than Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders. As a matter of fact, she was asked about this uh, in, a, I believe it was a 60 Minutes interview. Nora or- O'Donnell uh, asked her this about her, her liberal leanings, and look how she responds. You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I Somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage, but... 
Yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for All. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Joe Biden doesn't support those things. So are you going to bring the policies, those progressive policies that you supported as senator, into a Biden administration? Very, very good question. If you could see the video of this, you would see the look on Kamala Harris's face is like, I can't even believe you are asking me this question. Like, you're not supposed to ask me a question like this. Now, just watch the dodges going forth here. What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue. There's a code word, lived experience, as, as if your lived experience is, should be a basis for truth. That we confront. And I promised, Joe, that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of, of a woman who grew up a... Here comes the identity politics. A, ...a black child in America who was also a prosecutor, who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India, who also, you know, likes hip-hop. <laughs> like, what do you want to know? Well, I want to give you I want to give you the opportunity to address this because at the Republican National Convention, yeah. President Trump made the case that Joe Biden is going to be nothing more than a Trojan horse for socialist policies for the left wing of the Democratic Party. Are you going to push those policies when you're vice president? I am not. She's asked it like three times and she's not getting any kind of answer. A, a black child. Are you going to push those policies when you're vice president? I am States? not going to be confined to Donald Trump's definition of who I or anybody else is. Um, and I think America has learned that that would be a mistake. So just just to button that up, because you have fought for Medicare for all. That's not something that Joe Biden supports. If you become vice president, would you say to a President Biden, you know what? Let's we should really be pushing for Medicare for all, not a public option. That's just not going to do it. That's not my value. I would not have joined the ticket if I didn't support what Joe was proposing. And so our plan includes expanding on everything that Joe, together with President Obama, created with the Affordable Care Act. By contrast, you have Donald Trump. OK, we won't go into the, the attack on Donald Trump, but basically she she's a socialist. OK, just she doesn't want to use that term about herself because she knows it has negative con connotations. But she is. And so are all these other folks like Bernie Sanders and and uh, and Elizabeth Warren, who probably be likely part of a Biden Harris cabinet. People like that running the country. I mean, it's it's abs just just listening to that sound. It's, it's just unthinkable that Kamala Harris with her, quote, lived experience and her socialist viewpoints could be president of this country. If something were to happen to Joe Biden, he gets sick and dies or he gets assassinated or he resigns or whatever happens, he becomes mentally incapacitated. Can you imagine her as president of this country with her leftist worldview and, and the rest of the people in the cabinet? And, and this is why, to me, whenever I see a Black Lives Matter sign in someone's yard, I, I just shake my head. I said, why are you pro promoting a Marxist organization which seeks to end, to disrupt the nuclear family? I mean, they're, they're, they're advocating for the destruction of the fundamental building block of this country. 
I mean, and then and then what makes even more incomprehensible beyond that, it's one thing because they're probably unsaved and they probably are just blind. You're dead in your trespasses and sins and you just can't see it. We get it. You have scales on your eyes. But what's even more incomprehensible than that is seeing, hearing, reading, professing Christians say they're going to vote for this party when there are other options, whether it's Republican or, or third party or whatever, to say you're going to choose this party, the Democratic Party, when there are other options that are far less antithetical to a Christian worldview is, is really beyond me. Now, on the other hand, you have the Republican Party and Trump who believe in American traditionalism, exceptionalism, American nationalism, not quite sure what the best word for it is. And they are not the Christian Party, by the way. And they are not going to save America spiritually, period, end of sentence. But they will retain a country that our founders originally intended so Christians can worship freely. And that's the whole reason the pilgrims and Puritans came here. They're not going to try to limit or restrict or abolish your ability to have free worship of God or, or the freedom of speech or the freedom to have the Second Amendment to defend yourself. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're going to restrict uh, or potentially even overturn uh, abortion as, as opposed to having taxpayers funded. This is the American genocide. I know there how you can say, well, Trump hasn't done enough. He hasn't overturned. Well, I think it's more difficult than that. But at least they're not trying to expand it. At least it's not a sacrament. Literally, it's really a sacrament to the Democrat Party to dismember and suck out babies from a woman's womb, to put it graphically. No, they still believe Republicans do in limited government, the separation of powers because of the sin nature of man, individual liberties of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, Second Amendment, health care, education. Well, now, they do spend too much. For, for sure, we're too much in debt, and I have no idea how that's all going to work out someday. But they believe in economic opportunity versus redistributionism. They want to control immigration versus having the country overrun. They want law and order rather than just like looking the other way or trying to call the violence on the streets a peaceful protest. They believe in a national defense, strengthening ourselves, knowing there are threats in the world that want to take away our country. Basically, they follow the biblical mandate of Romans 13 for rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil behavior. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For it is a servant of God to you for good. For if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a servant of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. The Democrat Party completely has that flipped. You do what is good. You abide by your conscience and your business, your Christian conscience, your Christian convictions, and you're going to be prosecuted for not servicing a quote-unquote same-sex wedding. They're, they're, they're calling what is good evil, whereas the, the GOP still sees that it's, that it's a good thing to have religious liberty. Just a huge, huge diametrically opposed difference. The core God-given mandate for government is basically to punish evil. That's really it, just to create a stable society and to punish evil, punish those who would harm people in society. And the Democratic Party today, you can just see it on the streets. They fail on this most basic God-given government duty. So let's transition to this issue of, of Christians trying to create this moral equivalency between the parties today, when it's so obvious how different and how diametrically opposed these parties are. One party 
re- basically rejects God. The other party generally, I'm not going to say they're a party of Christians or party of God, but they generally still have respect for God. Now, we read this article last week from John Piper, the well-known evangelical pastor and writer, highly respected and so forth, um, basically saying that he doesn't get, well, let me just read what he's wrote. Actually, this is a long overdue article attempting to explain why I remain so baffled that so many Christians consider the, sin, the, the sins of unrepentant sexual immorality, unrepentant boastfulness, unrepentant vulgarity, unrepentant factiousness, and the like to be toxic, to be only toxic for our nation, while policies that endorse baby-killing, sex-switching, freedom-limiting, and socialist overreach are viewed as deadly. So he's, you know what he's referring to. The first half of that paragraph, he's referring to Donald Trump. He's unrepentant, sexually immoral, and boastful, and vulgar, as, as if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not, by the way. Okay, He's saying it's just as deadly uh, that, that th- those qualities of the, a leader's person, his personal character, are just as deadly as baby-killing abortion, transgenderism, limiting your, 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 your individual liberties, and socialistic overreach. So I was very glad this week. I'm not going to go into the rest of Piper's column. We don't have time. But after this next break, we're going to go into the response from Wayne Grudem wrote a response. He said, a respectful response to my friend John Piper about voting for Trump. Grudem is a professor of theology and biblical studies at Phoenix Seminary in Arizona. After this break, we're going to read just a couple portions of his article that completely dismantles this moral equivalency than John Piper wrote in his column. That's coming up on the Christian Worldview. Who is George Soros, and what does he believe? Are you religious? No. Do you believe in God? No. Soros told the independent newspaper in Great Britain, it is a sort of disease when you consider yourself some kind of God, the creator of everything. But I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. Soros spends his billions to transform America into godless socialism. Be informed about him and the organizations he funds by ordering this George Soros resource bundle, which includes a 60-minute DVD, 60-page book, and 16-page follow-the-money chart and guide for a donation of $50 or more to the Christian Worldview. To order, call one 646 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331, or visit thechristianworldview.org. That's thechristianworldview.org. Be sure to take advantage of two free resources that will keep you informed and sharpen your worldview. The first is the Christian Worldview Weekly Email, which comes to your inbox each Friday. It contains a preview of the upcoming radio program, along with need-to-read articles, featured resources, special events, and audio of the previous program. The second is the Christian Worldview Annual Print Letter, which is delivered to your mailbox in November. It contains a year-end letter from host David Wheaton and a listing of our store items, including DVDs, books, children's materials, and more. You can sign up for the weekly email and annual print letter by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. Your email and mailing address will never be shared, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Call 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org.
Final segment of the day here on the Christian Worldview radio program and our lead up to the election. Will it be respect God or will it be reject God? Which party is going to be chosen? Which which party does the which ideology does the American people want for our future? That's really what the decision is that we're going to find out likely on Tuesday. Maybe not. Maybe it's going to be a protracted uh, counting. Who knows what's what's going to happen here? Everything's all bets are off this year in 2020. But I was reading before the break this article by John Piper. Uh, and also, we have both of these articles linked. I really encourage you're not going to have time in one segment to go over both of them. But we have them both linked. We have John Piper's article and also Wayne Grudem's article. And basically, Grudem writes this. He said, I would some. by the way, he sent his column. He's a good friend of John Piper. He sent his column to John Piper before it was posted on the Christian Post. That's a kind of pretty, pretty nice guy. He said, I would summarize Don, Dr. Piper's argument as follows. Number one, the personal sins of a leader can be as harmful to persons and to nations as morally evil laws. Number two, summarizing Piper's arguments, Christians communicate a falsehood when we act as if policies and laws are more precious than a certain kind of person. Number three, the horrible sin of pride leads people to other sins, including defending abortion and therefore voting for a clearly boastful candidate like Trump might also be indirectly supporting abortion. Number four, voting for either candidate would compromise a person's Christian witness. My reply, Gruden writes, and you need to read the article for yourself. It's a complete and utter takedown of what John Piper wrote. Number one, he says, there is a difference between the personal influence of a leader's example, which may be rejected, and laws that compel obedience. Piper's argument fails to recognize that people can decide not to imitate the sins of a leader, but they cannot do that with laws, with policies. Laws require obedience, but millions of people have seen and decided not to imitate Trump's character flaws. The most frequent comment I hear from Trump supporters is something like, I don't like his insulting tweets or his personality, but I'm supporting him anyway because he has brought about good laws and policies. Americans are perfectly free to say Trump's boastfulness offends me and I don't want to act that way myself. But if laws are passed and upheld by the courts that enforce the LGBTQ agenda, no creative professional like a cake direct decorator or photographer or florist will be free to say, I believe same-sex marriage is morally wrong and I won't use my artistic talent to decorate a cake celebrating same-sex marriage. No high school girl will be free to say, I won't undress and change my clothes for a gym class because there are boys in the locker room who claim to be girls. No Christian adoption agency will be free to say, we will not place children with same-sex couples. If Democrats gain control of our government and the Supreme Court and enact their desired policies, no Christian taxpayer will be free to say, I refuse to pay that portion of my taxes that the government is using to pay for abortions. No business owner will be free to say, I will not buy medical insurance for my employees that pays for abortion and sex change surgeries. They will only be two choices, violate your conscience or else be driven to bankruptcy or go to jail. Okay, that pretty much puts it in perspective, doesn't it? In other words, yeah, we don't, I never have ever, and no Christians I respect have ever stood up for uh, the sins of Donald Trump, his personal sins. Matter of fact, we've spoken out against them. But we are saying that, the policies of Donald Trump are far better than the, not just the sinful policies of the Democratic Party, but the wicked policies. There's a difference. There's a difference between sinfulness and wickedness. Both candidates running for president are, sin, are sinners. We're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
I believe Donald Trump is a, a sinner, but at least he's trying to do somewhat God-honoring policies, while Joe Biden is a sinner who's trying to implement, the, with the Democratic Party, wicked policies. And, and if you really want to compare character, why don't you frame the two candidates? Oh, Trump is always given the one who has the, the lesser character. He's a, Yeah, he's a sinner like the rest of us. He brags, he exaggerates, he's narcissistic, he reviles. But so is Biden. He brags and exaggerates and he's narcissistic and he reviles. And then he forces his wicked policies and the Democratic policies on us as well. He's been involved in unrepentant sexual immorality. He was accused by his wife's ex-husband of adultery. Uh, he's been accused of sexual harassment, Tara Reid, uh, back in 2020 of this year from a previous time in 1993. Won't go into the whole thing, don't have time. Uh, he's been uh, unrepentant factiousness, as John Piper, Piper writes about. He's criticizing, reviling voters who don't agree with him. And also the scandal that hasn't even seen the light of day that probably most of you haven't even heard about because there's been a complete blackout of the press has been the unrepentant lying and corruption with his family's involved in, involvement in business in Ukraine and China. Frankly, just on that point alone, he should be disqualified from being president because he's so compromised by one of our enemies, China. So don't 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 at least don't try to tell me about, you know, oh, Joe Biden is this this great moral character and he's going to bring unity and dignity uh, back to the the Oval Office. I, I don't think so. Not not even close. So John Piper and many other professing evangelicals such as Tim Keller, they may be sincere and they can they're entitled to their own opinions, but their moral equivalency reasonings about kind of both parties, you know, have equal bad, you know, different bad things. But, you know, there's really Christians can't be associated with either of them it is not only, I believe, wrong. But it really opens the door for Christians to vote for the party of Romans 1, the party that has rejected God and supports their not just sinful policies, but their wicked policies. So what do we do? I have no idea which party is going to take power on Tuesday. Who's going to become president? Which party will take power? Some say Trump's going to win in a landslide. Polls say that Biden's going to win. Accurate pollsters I just saw on TV last night think Biden's going to win. So what are we as Christians to do? We, we obey what 1 Timothy chapter 2 says. First of all, then, Paul writes, I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made in behalf of all people, for kings and all who are in authority. That's both Republicans and Democrats, by the way. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. We need to pray. We need to trust God, not worry. God is in control. Even if America votes for the God rejectors over the God respecters, God will work it together for his glory, his purpose, and his plans for the world, and it will even be for our good somehow. Hard to even see how that would be, but God has higher thoughts and higher plans than we ever do. So let's pray for our country. Lord, we are going into a very, very important election that has a incredibly diametrically opposed directions for our country, but we know you are in control. We know you're going to ordain the outcome. We trust you for whatever the outcome and we embrace our calling and our responsibility as believers to pursue the Great Commission no matter what happens in this country, knowing that you will support us, 
strengthen us in whatever happens coming forward. We pray for our nation, our president, our vice president, all our leaders, that those who reject you will be convicted and you bring them to saving faith, and that those who honor you and respect you with their person and policies will be blessed. We pray this and commit this all to the one name that's above every name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for joining us today on the Christian Worldview. We'll have much to talk about next week, I'm sure. So until next time, think biblically and live accordingly. We hope today's broadcast turned your heart toward God, His Word, and His Son. To order a CD copy of today's program or sign up for our free weekly email, or to find out how you can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a weekly one-hour radio program that is furnished by the Overcomer Foundation and is supported by listeners and sponsors. Request one of our current resources with your donation of any amount. Go to thechristianworldview.org. Or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233. Or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.